As part of our Valentine's celebration, Catherine and I watched an old movie, An Affair to Remember, with Cary Grant. Some of you probably have seen that one. But before we could do it, right, we had to read the reviews and see if it was worth our time. And said it was a three-tissue film, right? And it totally was. And you could, the three times when you experience emotion as a result of this film, I could count. I said to her, there's one, there's two, there's three. Already this morning, this has been like a three-tissue Sunday. And that was number three. That song was really amazing. I'll tell you the other two later, if you're curious. You want to know? You do. I baited you into that totally. So number one, I talked to son number three, Isaiah. And I know you all are following my children like I am. Isaiah's been in Nigeria for the last year and a half working for the International Rescue Committee uh, relief organization. <clears throat> Uh, prior to that, he was in Kenya. Now he's been in Nigeria for a year and a half, and he's just taken a position. And how did I know that he got a new job, right? It was from one of his brothers. So I reached out to him. I said, come on, we got to talk. Yeah, there's news. He said he's taken a job with the Norwegian Refugee Commission, and he'll be working in Iraq. And so he'll be moving over there in a couple of weeks. And he's seeing someone. And how did I know he was seeing someone was not from him, it was from one of his other brothers, right? So I had to reach out and get the 411 on that. But that, you know, it just made me feel good and proud and excited. He's at another transition point in his life, and uh, the, the person that he's seeing lives nearby, also works in Iraq, and so he'll be close. So that was exciting. And then my son, number one, my oldest son, who's the pizza chef, who has a pizza restaurant in Detroit, Michigan, is closing his business. And so there's been this process, and there's been this conversation, and he's been talking about, and finally pulled the trigger, and I read his post. He had a February 14th, Valentine's was the last day open for business, and he had this long post thanking people, acknowledging people, just talking about this transition in his life, and it was one of those like, oh my, OMG, right? And uh, just kind of catches you. We're human, we're human beings, right? You and I? All of us? And we are uh, we're experiencing life with God in all of the mystery and majesty and complexity of what that means. In this month of February, we've been talking about ministry, like what are we doing, why do we do what we do? What is the basis for it? You know, we started out the first Sunday, Paul talked about the message about the cross, right? It sort of defines who we are as a people. It's a Jesus thing. And then he talked also about the spirit and how we are spirit beings having a human experience. And what does it mean to be spiritual? What does it mean to be rooted in Christ and to be having an experience of the Holy Spirit? It means something to be Christian in the midst of a place that's pluralistic, right? We have certain convictions that drive us and that define us, and 
We're spiritual. And, he, and here's the thing about spirituality. Is that it involves growth. And that's what I'd like you to take away from today. Is that this is about growing in Christ. And growing in the realm of the spirit. Which sort of implies that there's a beginning point, right? Birth. How many of you were born physically? Raise your hands. You were born, and you were kind of small, right, at first? You could be held. And then you got bigger. You could be held for a moment. And then you got too big to be held. You're never too big to be held. But you've grown through your life physically. You've aged. You have Matured. You know more things now than you used to know. If you're 8 years old, or if you're 18, or if you're 80, you're on the spectrum of growth physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We're going to look at that spiritual component this morning. What does it mean to grow in the Spirit? Paul begins 1 Corinthians 3 as a reproof for the people. He says, and so brothers and sisters, I, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food. For you were not ready for solid food. Even now you're still not ready. Right? Ouch. You're acting like babies is what he's saying. Verse 3. For, for you are still of the flesh. As long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving according to human inclinations? For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? The problem at the church in Corinth was, we understand, a problem of personality. Sort of like the cult of personality. And if you've been around religious communities for any length of time, you know that this exists, right? It's like... I really like Pastor So-and-so that we had back in the day. His Pastor So-and-so could really lay it down and was caring and compassionate and nobody could fill Pastor So-and-so's shoes, right? Every church has like that legendary pastor that walks on water, right? Couldn't do anything wrong. And <clears throat> it's the same in any type of religious community where you have a plurality of leadership. Maybe you have, and this church has, certainly in its past, had, had different pastors at the same time. Senior pastor, associate pastor, pastor of education, pastor of youth. You have different people, and so people would line up around these personalities. That's what happened in Corinth. And you remember, the way that it worked back then was different than today, right? <clears throat> there were smaller churches... They met in homes, and the teachers were all of them itinerant. So there was no pastor that just parked 
and, and was there with them all the time. At this point in the church's development, you had teachers that would go from place to place. And so Paul had been there and founded the congregation at Corinth. And then Paul went on his way, right? He went on to the next town to preach there as well. And this guy named Apollos came. And if you're curious, you can read in Acts chapter 18, I believe, about the founding of the Corinthian church and about Apollos' role there. Apollos was this kind of super charismatic, very learned, really educated, great guy that could, like, could keep people spellbound. He was an orator. And he came in after Paul and was probably a superior preacher to Paul. And so some said, I'm with Apollos. And some said, no, I'm with Paul. Paul started things. And, and so what developed there was the cult of personality and jealousies and rivalries. And, and I could imagine what was happening was like they'd have a question, right? Like a burning issue. And, and they'd say, <clears throat> when Paul was here, he said such and such. And then the other person would say, but then Apollos came later and he said this and that. So I align myself with Apollos' teaching. No, I'm, I'm pro-Paul, right? Nothing like that could happen around here ever, right? I mean, we're now we're so highly evolved and we're immune to these type of problems. And in our age, it's even, it's even more difficult, right? Because I was stepping into ministry at, at the rise of the televangelist, right? And so you could never preach like the guy on TV with the shiny suit and the bright white teeth and the smile and in the stadium filled with, with adoring fans, you know, and then, I, and then you step into the pulpit and they're like, who's this guy? What's he got to say? Right? Think of uh, the great preachers, J. Vernon McGee, you guys remember him? Chuck Smith, Southern California, uh, Charles Stanley, Charles Swindoll, like right now, right? T.D. Jakes, uh, Joel Osteen, right? Man, that's a good looking man there. And his wife, they're just, they're beautiful. And, and have such nice things to say. But here's the thing, is that these folks and anyone, Pastor A or Pastor B, or, you know, you, you get in the car and drive down the street to another church and another pastor, and, and what's the point of it all? Is these folks, me, myself included, we're just messengers, we're just, we're just passing along. From the scripture. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it down for you. I'm gonna break it to you. I'm sorry. I'm fallible. Okay? The word, the scripture, is infallible. This is God's word. But me, I'm fallible, which means I'm human. And Paul makes a point here in verse 5. He says, Who, who's Apollos? Who is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. This is how it works, folks. 
in the Christian community is that God places people, leaders, some we pay, some we don't. God places them in our lives with great intention in order to grow us. Look at verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So important. So important that God placed one person to, to unearth the ground and, and put you in as a wee little seedling and tamped around it so delicately and, and the polis came by and he said, you know, it's a little dry so he put a little water on it. Some of you are good with plants, right? I can kill a succulent. But some of you know what it's like to nurture and to grow things. And Paul says, look, that's the metaphor. That's what's happening here. You are a plant. You are a living, vibrant, growing, rooted, fruit-bearing thing. And God uses different ones in your life to tend you along the way. Spiritual guides, directors, gurus, teachers... Call them whatever you like, mentors. God places people in your life to help you grow. So who are they? They are only servants. Their name doesn't matter, nor their ethnicity, or gender, or age. None of these things matter. Can you learn from someone younger than you? I hope so. Absolutely. So he continues in verse 7, Neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each, for we are God's servants working together. You are God's field. God's building. And with those two words, God's building, Paul transitions into another metaphor that we'll take a look at next week, not now. Now we focus on this organic aspect of Christian spirituality. That you and I are seedlings, right? Somewhere in the phases of development. Maybe, maybe you're a redwood. Man, the church needs spiritual redwoods. Jeanette was talking to us about camp. And I know most of you have been to Redwood Glen. It's an amazing place. And you drive in and the air is clear and you can smell and see these Amazing trees, right? I love California redwoods. Man, they grow sturdy. They grow straight. They grow strong. We need spiritual redwoods. I think we've got a few here. I think we've got some, uh, some folks that have weathered some storms in life. 
and who are strong because they're so deeply, deeply rooted. And the root system in the redwoods, it's all intertwined, right? They're, they're feeding off and nourishing one another. Amazing strength. The church needs folks like that. Because there's these little shoots, right? On the forest floor that are coming up, popping through the foliage. And, and struggling, yearning for the sun. And then somebody comes along and provides this nourishment, right? Waters it, tends it, does some weeding. That's what we need people in our lives to do. Nurture me. I am an organism. All of us are living, growing organisms. And that's the point where Paul begins. He says, look, I, I couldn't treat you like a fully mature organism because you're, you're behaving like a, a bratty little bush. I gave you milk instead of solid food. You're still on the bottle. As a growing living thing goes through phases of development, right, our teeth come in and we can have some, some steak, pork chop if we choose, or, or tofu, right? But step by step, stage by stage, there's nothing wrong with being immature, right? For a time. But if we stay in that stalled out, immature place, that's where we need to be rebuked. And somebody needs to come alongside of us lovingly and say, look, you've got to do a little growing. You, you've kind of stalled out. Who in your life has your permission to do that? I do it with or without your permission. But I hope you have people that you listen to, right? Because I just kind of throw it out there generally. Maybe it lands, maybe it doesn't. But there's people that know you better, people who are mentors in your life, people who are your teachers. Maybe it's happening in your family, I hope so. Maybe that's a part of the dynamic of the relationship that you're in, that, that there's a give and take and a mutual teaching and learning and it's going both ways from children to parents and you've got people in your life, sponsors, adults, friends who are able to speak into your life and give you direction and guidance and I hope you're listening to what they have to say because there's the thing we need it, right? And there's nothing wrong with needing it. I need it. Give me more of that. Why? Because I have a certain amount of self-awareness and then it ends. And other people have a perspective that's greater than mine. And they can speak into my life and expand my perspective. We are in the church disciples. We're learners. You and I, we're enrolled for a lifetime in the school of Christ. And school's always in session. That's what I love about Jesus in the New Testament. He's just walking along with his friends, hanging out, fishing, 
doing what people did, going to weddings, hanging out, talking, sitting on the hillside. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, you, you see that plant? And he'd make a story out of it. He would, he would teach people life lessons from life. You, you, you learn so much more the other six days of the week when you're not sitting here looking at and listening to me. Things land for you. And I just hope you're open to that. I hope, you, I hope your heart is wide open. Because school is always in. And there's always things for you to learn. Dave, Maxie, do you ever stop learning? Dave says you don't stop learning. And he's 90-some. We have more to learn. Sometimes we stall out. That's what had happened at Corinth. Because the people had gotten hung up on the, on the personality of the people that were teaching them. Paul says, in essence, it's not about the personality. That's not what matters. What matters is, is the truth. The only thing that matters is God who makes things grow. The rest of us, we just, we're all gardeners. We're all gardeners, and the world is a field, and we're all plants, right? How does that work? We're plants, and the world is a garden, and the plants help one another. Something like that. Think about it. There's a big deal about stuff being organic nowadays, right? You see the organic section of the grocery store. You know you're going to pay a little more. It's better, right? Hasn't been blanketed with pesticides. It's been raised in the, in the best way. Everything's organic. Everything is an organism that's growing. We are growing. We're evolving spiritually. That's the purpose of the church. That's what Paul is giving us in these opening chapters of 1 Corinthians. Like, what's it all about? Why are we here? Did you ever ask yourself that? Why am I here? What, what am I doing here? Why am I here? This is the why. The why, is the, the why is the message of the cross that Jesus Christ is central. Christ crucified is a big deal. And, and we're here as spiritual beings. It's a spiritual message. Not just everything at face value. And it's a growing thing. We're here to grow. I hope you're growing. If you're not growing, why aren't you growing? It could be that you're not listening. I think you're listening. It could be that you're not willing. Like you hear it and it kind of bounces off of you. You're like, yeah, that's cool, maybe later. To be a part of a church is to be committed to growing. 
to be a part of the community is to be willing to be vulnerable enough to interact with people in a way that leads to growth. That's why we exist. That's what we're here for. It's not a cult of personality. It's not flashy. I hope you're committed to growing. I love growing. I love curiosity. I love learning things that I didn't know before. And that's what we do here. We bring that sense of curiosity to, to the scripture and to a relationship with God. And with God, there's uncertainty, right? There's mystery, there's adventure. I know things now that I didn't know 25 years ago when I was a brand new Christian. It's, it's a good thing. I hope you love it. If you like it, I love it. Let's pray. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Great is your faithfulness. God, you're really the teacher behind everything that we know and the things that we're learning along the way. You're committed to our well-being, so, so we might as well be as well committed to growth and to maturity, willing to pay the price, willing to endure the pain that comes with growing because of the strength that develops from maturity. And so we thank you that you've placed us into this community. God, we believe that you have knit together this church family. That, that you're behind it. There's no happenstance. Everyone who's here is here by your express intention. And so we thank you for that, and we just we bring ourselves, we offer ourselves in friendship and in love and in partnership. We give ourselves to this. In Christ's name we pray.